our aim is not just to sing about Jesus or to even to teach about Jesus, but to train together to become followers of Jesus. And so we want to talk a little bit today about what it is to be a follower of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought much about that, but in the, the life and the teachings of Jesus, the phrase he used over and over is, follow me. When he was calling some of his first disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Later on, he taught, if anyone is to be my disciple, uh, anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And when Peter was sort of reinstated, Jesus says to him, follow me. And even when Jesus says, here's the type of death that you will experience in order to glorify God, he says to him, follow me. And so it is important that we look at, as a church, what, what is it like to follow Jesus? What, what is meant by that? Well, there are uh, three, three main steps, I guess, in, in following Jesus. Uh, one is, first of all, we need to uh, repent and believe, uh, recognize our own need for a Savior, and ask God to forgive us of our sins. This sounds like an easy thing. You just go, yep, okay, recognize I'm a sinner, and uh, I'm in need of a Savior, and I want to follow this Jesus, because He is the one who brings life. He is the one who forgives. He is the one who restores all things. Sounds easy, doesn't it? We have broken sinner, perfect Savior. You just turn to Him. But it's often difficult for people to turn to Jesus, because, first of all, uh, you have to acknowledge that Jesus is who he says that he is. That Jesus is God in flesh, our Savior. He's the one who paid the price for us. And for some people, there can be an intellectual challenge in that you have to acknowledge uh, that Jesus is who he says that he is. That Jesus is the one that we need. That uh, Jesus is the one that we need to trust. That he is who he says he is and he can do what he says that he can do easy for some, uh, more difficult for others. Because sometimes that, that part of that means admitting that we can't save ourselves. Now, to some, again, that sounds obvious, but to some, that's a big challenge. Because we're often taught by the world that if you have some problems, then just grab a self-help book or uh, grab some counseling, grab some friends, and get the help you need, and you'll be fine on your own. Now, some of these books are wonderful. Counseling is a wonderful thing. And, and there are a lot of great helps out there to help us cope with life and to help us uh, make it through and to help us be better uh, people, in a sense. But the answer to our life's problems is not another book or another session or uh, another set of advice from, from friends or family. The only hope we have in this life is Jesus. And that is a big barrier for some people to overcome, to recognize that they can't get there on their own. There's not enough knowledge we can have that will buy our salvation. There's not enough good that we could do that would win our way to God. There's an intellectual barrier for some to recognize that they have to believe in Jesus Christ. They have to trust that He is who He says He is and can do what He says He can do. For some, there is a moral challenge in uh, turning to God, in that you recognize, wait a second, if God changes my life, He changes my heart, I might have to leave some of those old practices that I've been doing. 
some of those things that God says are sin and those are wrong, I might have to change those. I might have to stop going and doing some of those things with friends that I was going and doing before I met Christ. If I give my life to Christ and He changes me, then I might have to change. It will change my morals. It will change the way that I live. For some people, that's easy. And you say, thank God He's rescued me from some of those things. For some people, that's difficult to make a conscious decision that I am gonna willing, I'm willing to follow Jesus with my life. I'm going to be willing to change how I live and leave some of that old life of sin and corruption and wrong and follow Jesus, to repent, to completely turn from that sin and to follow Jesus. And for some, there's uh, an emotional struggle with Jesus himself. Now, I, I've mentioned here before, I'm not, uh, I'm not a crier. Uh, if you're a crier, that's wonderful. Uh, that's fine. You can cry for me uh, as well, because I, I just don't cry. I'm not a, uh, it's not, I don't feel, I, I do have a heart. Uh, trust me, I do, I do feel things, but um, they just don't come out in tears. You know, if you do, that's fine. Uh, I have family members who are criers, and um, sometimes some of them just need to cry, because they do. That's what some criers do, I guess. Yeah? I'm not a crier, so I can't understand that. So some of them are like, uh, yep, yeah, let's pass you over here. I just try to love them as much as I can, uh, be there for them, and sometimes I just go up and, and just hold them, and they, they cry. And I'm like, yeah, pat, pat them. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do, because I can't cry with them. Some people just fall apart and cry with them. I'm not the crier. Now, coming to Jesus doesn't mean that you automatically have to just fall apart into tears. Now, we, we've seen some people who they come and they give their life to Christ, and they're crying hysterically, and there's tears, and there's emotion, and you say, Wow, that person's really met Jesus. Now, it doesn't ha- you don't have to, to cry to meet Jesus. And there are some people like me who just go, if that's what it means to meet Jesus, I'll never get there. I'm not going to break down into to tears. I'm not going to, to cry about this. But what I've found, what I say, there's an emotional challenge. Some people may feel they have to be like that. Now, we're all different. And God knows your heart. He knows your life. And, and He does... Uh, he doesn't expect you all to be criers. He doesn't expect you all to be huggers or uh, whatever. But there is, there is something powerfully emotional about recognizing who God is and who we are. There's something that, 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 it, that floors us when we recognize that God loves me. That He knows me, and yet He still loves me. I, love, I was um, reading this week, uh, a passage by a, a book by Billy Graham. And he had this quote in there, I love it. It says, You can't look at the cross and realize its deep significance without being emotionally moved that God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to shed His blood and die for you so that you might have forgiveness of sin and eternal life. That's me. I, I cannot not be emotional. I can't be unemotional, I guess, if... If I, real, if I think about the cross and all that Jesus went through for me. But we need to not only repent, we, we need to believe the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that He is our hope, He is our salvation. It is Jesus who paid the price on that cross for us. We need to repent uh, and believe. We need to put our trust in Him and decide that we're going to follow Him. But following doesn't just begin with, uh, doesn't just end with uh, repent and, and believe Believing in the gospel. Following Jesus begins with realizing that we need Him and deciding to follow Him. 
that he is the only way uh, to have freedom from sin and eternal life. But it moves on into getting to know who Jesus is, spending time with him. A key part of uh, understanding Jesus is just, uh, or, or following Jesus is understanding and obeying the teachings of Jesus. A key part of learning to follow Jesus is knowing what he taught and obey it. Now, it's interesting, actually, how many Christians, or people who call themselves Christians, know very little about who Jesus was and how he lived or what he taught, how he loved and how he ministered. How can we follow Jesus as a church if we don't look to him? Jesus almost immediately taught his new disciples uh, a great passage we found in Matthew chapter 5, commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount, a great series of basic principles to Christian life. If you were to follow me, then here is how you are to live. Many of these very contrary to the standards of the church, the standards of the world. It's where he says great passages like, you may say an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I say, love your neighbors, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Love without fail. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus emphasizes the importance of following these teachings. And he said, if you know my ways and obey them, you're like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the storms may come, the winds may beat against it, but the, the house will stand because it's, it's built securely on the, the solid ground. So is like one who puts their trust in Jesus, who knows his ways and follows them. Jesus' ways are not like the world's. They're not like the church's. They're not like anything else the world knows. He challenged us to love our enemies, to pray for the persecutors. Now, this is not easy stuff. We often say it in our church. We just go, oh, yeah, we're supposed to love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. We, we love those who despitefully abuse us and misuse us. But we can often say that so easily because we're not having any enemies or we're not being persecuted. We're not suffering for our faith like people in many parts of the world. And so it's easy for us to kind of say, well, I'll, I'll trust God. But even us in our Western society and the freedoms that we have, we sometimes have enemies, don't we? Or sometimes you have friends who sometimes act like enemies, frenemies, they'll say. Or you may say, well, with friends like you, who needs enemies? Yeah? Because some of you have people who, who are in your workplace or maybe even your family or your circle of friends who sometimes go against you and despitefully use you. It's difficult to love them, isn't it? It's difficult to always forgive. I have people come to me all the time and say, I know God says forgive. I can't. I can't just let go. God knows what this person has done to me or to my family. How can I just forgive? And people are willing to, but they recognize sometimes it's a process of constantly trusting God, even in the middle of pain, even in at times of struggle, and saying, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to try to follow your ways. I'm going to try to be like you. Because if I'm like me in this situation, that anger is just going to eat away 
and, and, and it's going to cause resentment. It's going to cause pain. God, I want to honor you with my life. I want to trust you even in the, the heartache. Some people are easy to love. Some people are easy to love at times. Some people aren't easy to love at all. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look in any direction and say I'm not looking at any certain person. Now we all know sometimes people are, are difficult. You know, I um I love to eat, uh, as as you know. Um, and I love anyone who's gonna cook for me. Now I'm not trying to just put like pastors out there and say, hey, if you want to invite me over for a meal afterward, that'd be fine. But uh, you know, I love people who who cook for me. And I grew up in a uh, I grew up in a, an era and a, a community and a time in which food was just a part of everything you did. If you had people over, you were eating. You know? And Baptists were known as the fast denomination. There's always a fellowship meal, and uh, there's always a potluck lunch or a dinner or whatever. We're always eating, and I, I, I love food and I love that sort of fellowship. But um, I have found in the Christian journey, if I want to live like Jesus, I can't only love the good cooks. I can't only love. In fact, sometimes you love the people that you get excited because they invite you over for dinner until you take the first bite. <laughs> and then it's when you start praying. Yeah? It's like, Lord, help me to still love them. Yeah? Now, kids, kids aren't like that. Right? Kids just go, oh, that's, yeah, that's gross. Some people aren't great cooks, are they? But we still got to love them. We love those who are great to us. We love those who, if we want to be like Jesus, we have to love no matter what. Now, that sounds corny and it sounds crazy, but it goes into all of our life. Because not just about cooks. Yes, you're going to have good cooks and bad cooks and whatever. Some are never going to invite you over to eat, and you still have to love them. But if it's on my standards, I say some people are easy to love, some people are not. Jesus challenges us to be like him and to love regardless. In fact, he gives us a, a great command that says, the, the greatest commandment, and he was challenged with the Ten Commandments and saying, look, which of these do you think is the greatest? Jesus doesn't really cover, well, he covers all of them, but doesn't go to one particular one. And he says, the greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all that you have. That's complete surrender, isn't it? When we love God that much, when we love God completely with all that we have, there's no room for anything else. If you have a room filled with light, there's no darkness. Is there? There's no room for darkness. Sometimes here you go, oh, there's a bit of darkness here and darkness there. We add more light. It just dispels the darkness. When you add love into your life so completely. You surrender to God completely and to love Him with all of your heart and all of your mind, all that you have. When we love God that so much, that there's no room for hate. There's no room for darkness. There's no room for that sin. Yes, we still fall short of God's glory at times. Yes, we still make mistakes. God forgives us and there's hope. All you have to do is turn to Him and say, God, I'm sorry for that sin. He forgives us and He leads us back in the right way. We often see ourselves as loving people because we're loving to our friends and our family, but Jesus says that's not enough. God says we are to love our friends and love our enemies. Love those who we know and lo love those who we'll never meet. To be like Jesus, 
means to not only know his teachings, although I think we need to do a lot better at that, but we need to not only know his teachings, but obey his teachings. It's a change of life. It's a discipline in which we are constantly growing to be more like Jesus. Now, training, training is not always easy, is it? Many of us give up. Many of you may have made the New Year's resolution in January that you're going to change your health and you're going to join that gym. Some of you joined the gym. You still haven't attended yet. Or you haven't gone along. Some of you went along to that first session and you go, nah, that's a bit too hard. Yeah? Diets are often like that, aren't we? We're committed and we're going, yep, I'm on this diet now. A few weeks later, you go, how's the diet going? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm on a different diet now or I'm on something different. Training and changing our life is difficult. It takes discipline. It takes intention. And we have to, with intent, know the teachings of Jesus and obey them. We have to focus our life on Him. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is the, the direction that we need to follow. And so we can better understand the teachings of Jesus, better obey the teachings of Jesus, if we follow the examples of Jesus. In uh, 1978, a guy by the name of Michael Hart, uh, who's an astrophysicist and a, a historian, he published a, a book which was quite controversial at the time. Some of you may remember it. It's called The 100, which was a ranking of the most influential people in history, which is great. Jesus made the list of the 100 most influential people in history, but the book was quite controversial, especially in Christian circles, because Jesus was placed third on the list, uh, surprisingly behind Muhammad and behind Sir Isaac Newton. But Hart acknowledged this in his book. He said that the teachings of Jesus were, quote, surely among the most remarkable and original ethical ideas ever presented. And then he said, if they were widely followed, of course, Jesus would be at the top of the list. But Jesus' influence on the world is greatly diminished by those who claim to follow him, but do not abide by his teachings. Isn't that interesting? Someone who's not, not a, a um, pro professing Christian at the time, at least, and uh, is purely looking at this from a, a sort of rational thinking, even. And he said, Jesus' teachings, the way he teaches us to live, would change the world if the people who just say they follow him would follow him. Today's reading, you know, Jesus is talking with his disciple, Peter, and he says, do you love me? He said, yeah, of course I love you. And he said, well, then feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Our job is not just to know about Jesus, although that's, that's critically important. Our job is to strive to be like Jesus. Now, you and I are never going to be Jesus. There's one Jesus, the Savior of the world, King of all, God in flesh. We're not going to be Him. We are challenged to try to be like Jesus, to live like Him, to follow Him in the way that He lived, but to do that in our life, in our workplace, in our struggles, in our relationships, in our families, whatever that is to strive to be like Jesus uh, in every situation. Uh, a, a pastor by the name of um, Dr. Robert Creech 
Franklin said this. He said, The beautiful life that Jesus lived, marred by a passionate love of God and compassion for people, is something that we can learn. Humility and forgiveness are traits that we can develop. The practices of prayer and worship can be cultivated. We have no excuse as Christians to say, Oh, Jesus' standards are up here, and I'm down here, I'll never get there. It's a process of learning and developing to be more like Jesus. We are to follow God's call on our lives, to trust Him and to believe in the, the good news, the hope that we have in Jesus. We are to spend time with Jesus every day, learning His teachings and seeking to obey them, seeking to follow in His example. We are to lead others to Jesus by striving to be like Him, not to be Jesus, which of course is impossible, but to be like Him in our everyday lives. A friend of mine, when I was growing up, uh, by the name of Reverend Dr. Fred Roth, once spoke of evangelism. He said, evangelism is that glorious process of moving people toward Christ. And evangelism is not complete until the evangelized become the evangelist. We've got our work to do as Christians in that we keep on, we need to keep on leading people to Jesus, not just so that we, you know, they accept Jesus and that's fine. We need to keep on maturing one another in faith until those Christians then share the gospel with others. We need to keep loving one another like Jesus does. It's easy to give up on people in the church. It's easy to give up on people in our family. It's easy to give up on people in our community. Jesus never did. Jesus never will. He just keeps on loving. He keeps on pursuing. He keeps on forgiving. He is faithful, faithful, faithful in loving us. His love never ends. Lamentation says, Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. So great is your unfailing love. Jesus calls you to Jesus. Uh, uh, sorry, God calls you to the person of Jesus Christ. He says, Though your, your sins are as red as scarlet, I can wash them as white as snow. He calls you then to be holy, to live a life which is different from the world, to follow His, to know His ways and to follow them. In Romans 12, too, it says, We present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, and acceptable to God. God calls you to serve. In the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, Jesus says, go out into all the world. Share the hope that you have in me. Preach and teach and baptize in my name, and I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. My hope and my prayer is that each one of you in our church today will grab a hold of that call to serve and to say, God, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to dedicate my life to knowing who Jesus is, to following in His ways, and to seeking to show Jesus in my workplace and in my family and in my marriage and my life. My prayer is that people in our community will hunger to know more of Jesus We'll get to know Him and give their life to Him and, and live out His teachings and share His love and hope. My hope and my prayer is that our nation and the world would know of the love and the hope and the freedom that we have in Jesus. It takes you and me dedicating ourselves to following Him. It takes you and me following Him faithfully, not just singing His praises, not just singing about His name, but completely turning to Him in all that we do. Let's just pray.
God, I just thank you and praise you for who you are. I thank you and praise you for Jesus. For the salvation that we have because of Jesus. For the life, eternal life, and the hope and the joy and the freedom that we have because of Jesus. Lord, help us to give our very lives to Jesus. Not just our Sundays, not just in prayer time, but every day of our life. Every moment that you give us breath, may we live it for you. May we live it honoring and glorifying you. In Jesus' name we pray.